0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Leadership Lab podcast where we are developing the heart and soul of leaders. My name is Bianca. And my name is Jeremiah. And today, we're gonna have a conversation with a real leader leading on the front lines. And I believe you're not only gonna leave inspired, but you're gonna have some practical takeaways that will help you lead effectively. Let's go. Hey, welcome to the Leadership Lab podcast, where we're developing the heart and soul of leaders. My name is Jeremiah, and today we've got a super special guest on the episode. His name is Jevin Coleth. He is a leadership consultant, and he is going to share some fantastic things with us today. Jevin, thank you so much for being with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in leadership.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Jeremiah, for having me on. Um, I'm I'm super excited to talk to your audience and especially you with all things leadership. Uh, The way that I got into leadership, yeah, I mean, I started probably as a young kid growing up in church. Um, I was a worship leader, I was a choir leader, um, You know, coordinator retreats and things like that for our youth league. Um, So I was always in some type of leadership position. um, And my view as a leader was very interesting then. Um, So then later on, of course, I went on to graduate school uh, for healthcare administration and started having leadership positions in healthcare. And that's when I was really able to develop as a leader. And uh, was where my leadership journey began um, with that development phase of it. So I'm able to reflect back at certain titles or positions that I had, but it really just, it started with the church. And then Later on in life, it started with development, and that's where my passion for leadership originated.
0: Man, that's so cool. That is so cool. I, I can't wait to this conversation here. So let me kind of dive in with this question right here. How has your faith impacted your leadership style?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It's a fantastic question. Um, faith is integrated and in I would say, probably every facet of of, of my life in, in, in this perspective and in this time. But specifically with leadership, uh, I would say, again, I started in a faith-based place with leadership positions and things like that. So faith was always there, but I can't tell you that I was absolutely having a leadership position as a worship leader or choir leader, and I had the embodiment of a faith-based leader. Um, And that's just being completely transparent. I think we live in a world of tasks and getting things done. And... Um, As a young leader, I was probably the most efficient choir director or or worship leader out there with lists and everything and all this fun stuff, right? Um, But I lost track of of, of the faith component of it. And the irony of it was I was in a church. (laughs) So um, it was really when I moved into my first regional manager position with Baylor Scott and White. And uh, I started a leadership development program uh, with a men- mentor of mine who incorporated faith in his leadership development initiative. So everything was faith based. Um, everything was originated from, you know, your original scriptures and how the embodiment of Jesus is and um, that kind of leadership style. And it's in a way, those core principles were always there. So I developed myself with those kind of core principles, which is if you think about it, very, very, very applicable to the leadership industry, um, both secular and, and church-based a lot of the things that you see the core principles of servanthood, um, of leading with compassion, integrity, authenticity, all of those things, the good old book has it all, you know? So I think, um, that's how later on in life I was able to, in a way, take my business school, my previous leadership experiences, all of that and it into faith. It was really through my own, own personal development.
0: And that's really cool. So, you know, what are some of the critical changes that a leader needs to make in order to really lead effectively? What do you feel like is some ways that we could just really be very effective as leaders?
1: Yeah, no, I think um, first and foremost is as society, um, we get lost in what leadership is, right? I think mainstream media, social media, you name it, everything, ha- everybody has a perception of what a leader is. And oftentimes it's associated with wealth, it's associated with titles, it's associated with um, prestigious names and things like that. Um, And the way that I look at leadership is probably very similar to the way Mother Teresa looked at leadership, which is um, you don't have to have a title and you don't have to be somebody with a prestigious position to embody leadership. So that's the core (laughs) fundamental is, I mean, if I'm a volunteer at school, if I'm a volunteer at church, if I'm a volunteer um, wherever else, uh, when natural disasters are happening, things like that, you're in a leadership position. You're making a huge, huge impact on how it is and and, and ground level. Um, So that's first and foremost, is establishing what that is. Um, But I would say the, the next step then would be really understanding that we live in a world of quick fixes, right? Um, So there's no shortcut to being an efficient leader. And I think that's something that I really, really, really do uh, like to tell my clients, especially in talks and keynotes, you name it, is if you're gonna be an effective leader and if you wanna make an effective impact on society, you have to work on yourself. Um, And it's not something that you have to do by yourself. I think a lot of folks, when they think of, mental health, or they think of intrinsic development, we don't equate the same kind of gravity that we do with that type of development as a society as we do physical and health, right? So people will have gym memberships, folks will have all kinds of things to really work on our fitness, our health, get those blood levels good and all those kind of things. But if you think of that internal development, that may be a part of that is not quite there, right? So you can be the most fit individual, you can be the most healthy individual physically. But if you come up and show up in a leadership role or position, that alone is not going to be it. So it's really finding something to develop yourself as a leader. and, And we can go into that later on of what that looks like.
0: That's really good. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. What do you feel like is the number one way that we can make a substantial difference in the world around us?
1: Yeah, great question. I think this is a twofold answer, um, but the number one way is changing your perspective on leadership and changing the world, right? So phase one is always understanding what are those things that I need to work on? What are, what are those individual characteristics, those traits that I need to work on as an individual? Um, really scoping that out and also knowing that if you were called to do something, you have enough confidence to know that you were called with a higher purpose. There was a reason that you were called to do something. So understanding your self-worth individually, and then understanding the opportunities you have as an individual to grow, and then putting obviously habitual training and um, initiatives to correct some of these behaviors that are holding us back into your superpowers. So that's phase one, it's all individual, you working on yourself as a person. Phase two is the component that's really missed in this world. I see a lot of leaders, a lot of people with great positions, a lot of folks that are trying to make impacts in the world that have focused on themselves so much that when they get out in the world, they're leading based off of their own experiences and that's it. Um, and that is something that is, is, is a big struggle because if you're going to lead a team, then you have to change that self growth into team growth. How can you now be a leader? That can impact a team of different personalities, different communication styles, uh, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different um, barriers that we're all facing as a world. How can you, as a leader, now turn your voice from an individual into someone who's a team? And this is also where a lot of biblical principles comes in. You know, like embodying Christ, showing grace, showing. Uh, empathy, showing all of these things to people that are facing different things in the world, right? Um, so if you don't make that switch as an individual from individual uh, to team mentality and team growth,
0: it'll be a struggle. That's so good. And I love how you said these are biblical principles because I mean, that's that's what Jesus did. Like he, he, he had a group of people that he just basically came and said, hey, I've got a vision here. I'm going to share this vision with you. Now come and follow me. And the vision was giant. I mean, the man doesn't own anything. He doesn't even have a place to live. He has no money to his name. And he just comes up with a vision that says, hey, hey, let's change the world together. And he just invites the most ragtag group of people together, people that others have outcast in society. And he says, Hey, let's do this together. And he starts developing people. I just love that, that impact that we can have around us. Now, do you remember a specific experience that you wished a leader that you were following had done something differently? And if you were to do it all over again, what would you change?
1: Yeah. I like, I love that question. And I think, um, this is a question that I approach in a different lens than I would have previously, right? I think we always live in a society to where we can cross the line of really glorifying mistakes made, of, made by other people. And I think that's where I want to first set that boundary is know yourself as an individual to when you're turning into a, a place of judgment. I think that's really key. So the way I look at things now is every person that I've been th- been with any leader that I've been with, there are opportunities there that they have given me in my life so that I can be better, right? Um, and that was that was huge. That was my story. As uh, in graduate school, I was, gosh, I don't even know how old, 24, 25, but everybody else around me were CEOs and CNOs and VPs, and I was a tech, right? Like I was somebody who I don't even know how I got into that program, but I did. By God's grace. And I was the youngest person in that program. And so what did I do? I was a sponge. I was a sponge that just picked up on all of these life experiences. So that's what I encourage folks to do. Think back on your leadership experiences with your leaders and how you would have maybe done things a little different. Um, and the number one thing I can think of is when it comes to, uh, and this is definitely a hot topic, it, it comes to uh, racial sensitivity and the ethnic movements, right? Right. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So... I would say, you know, I'm, I was born and, born and raised in in Plano, Texas. Um, my parents are originally from India. Uh, they're from South India. So I grew up with uh, the Christian culture. I grew up with um, my parents' culture. And then I grew up with a Texas culture. So it's like I had a whole bunch of cultures going on, right? <laughs> so um, so that was great. It was awesome. It was such an opportunity for me. But when I go into certain environments, you know, it's, it's almost interesting how... Uh, people approach diversity and ethnicity. And I think um, growing up, I was always the the person of color in every board meeting and every whatever uh, for leadership stuff. And I didn't really notice it, to be honest with you. It wasn't until I looked back and reflected and I was like, oh my gosh, I was. And, and then I would notice like certain initiatives, right? Um, where I was the key person uh, that was involved in diversity initiatives and ethnicity initiatives. And I wasn't It's not as it was my expertise. It was something that was asked upon me, you know? So, um, and then I look back and I was like, wait a second, you know? So I think embodying and understanding people in general, it's not, it doesn't have to do with skin color. It doesn't have to do with race, but understanding the individual, right? Um, I think that's an employment strategy that I would do differently is not hire based off of race, any type of bias, but higher off of the individual and what they offer as a value. Um, and if that person is Asian American, if that person is Indian American, if that person is African American, if that person's, you know, Caucasian, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter. It's the individual who's great. And then see what things they bring to the table versus stereotyping based off of maybe how somebody looks. Right. And those aren't, I don't think anybody who I've ever experienced, has ever had a harmful intent, or these are people that I still love to this day, you know. Um, but it's just everybody has hidden biases and things that we've we've developed from a young age, right? So again, that's a huge opportunity for growth, uh, myself included. So that was probably the biggest biggest leadership thing that I probably realized a couple of years after. Um, that I had an opportunity there that I just, I didn't even know, you know, and I think it was, it was
0: huge. That is, that is very interesting. Now, some of the leaders that are listening to this, you know, have a budget and they can hire people and they could pay others. And then some people who are listening to this are saying, Hey, I'm leading leaders who, man, they're volunteers. They're just, they're just giving of their time here, you know, and there's a whole different level of leadership when you've got a paycheck that you can offer. And then when you just basically are like, I've got vision and I want you to come and follow me just because it's not a professional project, it's a passion project. And so, you know, as a leader who's been in both of those worlds, what would you say to someone who's got really only vision to share? How do you, how do you motivate people to join you when you really don't have anything? In fact, you're really just asking from them rather than giving to them.
1: I love this question. I love this question. And back, you know, when I was a church leader, I would have told you something completely different. But now with thankfully life and what's been given to me, I'll tell you, both of the principles are same. They're the exact same, whether you're a volunteer or whether you're paying somebody a paycheck. And I I say this with the folks that I even employed with paychecks um, is uh, don't come here for the paycheck. Really understand your purpose and your vision of why you're here. Um, and so if we embody that understanding of why we're here and we are an effective leader to where we're empowering individuals to be make individual decisions and really make an impact, you're not developing volunteers, you're developing leaders, right? So when you're in a leadership position, you're developing individuals to be their own leaders, right? Um, and if you have, you know, insecurities and you need control and... Micromanaging comes into the place, then that is a cue for you that we need to work on ourselves to be secure enough to be confident enough to, one, bring in people that embody those values, but number two, to really empower those individuals to to make the decisions that they need to. Um, and then, of course, course correcting. I think course correcting is huge, and sometimes people have a hard time with it, you know, and I did in the beginning as well, um, but you know, it's, it's again, it's biblical. You know, there's, there's nothing that you can do um, if you approach a conversation really well and wholeheartedly, and if you're giving feedback and advice uh, to an individual who may have, you know, misinterpreted something or, or maybe did something as a volunteer that maybe just wasn't down the line of what you and your team was envisioning. That's an opportunity for that person. That's a huge opportunity for that person individually and as a person. So those are the moments that, you know, you can really turn that opportunity into that individual superpower. And I think, uh, yeah, it's twofold. It's really just developing leaders.
0: I love that. I love that you said, turn that into that individual superpower. I, I love that's such a, and you use the word, uh, and one of my favorite words in leadership is empowering. You 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 said our job is to empower other people. So let's say for instance, someone's on in a brand new role, whether they're starting a, a brand new company, a startup, or whether they're, you know, starting a brand new team at let's say at the church or whatever. And at what point are you moving from getting the job done to then my job becoming developing leaders. So, you know, there's a task that has to get done in order for the team to be successful. How do you manage the tension between getting the task done and then the task as the leader becoming empowering other leaders to then empower other leaders to get the task done? Like there's a tension that's there. And how do you manage that?
1: Yeah, that tension's always there. And I think as humans, we have a fight or flight response, right? And I think that's, that's a big deal. And I've, I've been there as a leader. Um, a good example of mine, it's not, it's not going to be the same as a church setting, but I'm going to use one from a corporate setting. If I had a spinal cord patient that was coming in, a spinal cord injury that was coming into one of my hospitals, and we didn't have the paperwork, I know that person has to be admitted. So I'm flight mode, right? I am l- literally going in fighting, making sure we have what we need. Um, and then bringing that individual aside and be like, hey, this is why I was the way that I was at that moment is because we had to get this done at this moment, right? And then make sure you're empowering. So the the strong way and the superpower way that I'm still trying to figure out myself is doing that and empowering the individual at the same time.
0: That's great.
1: Yeah, that's tough. That's very, very tough as a human being because when you're trying to get things done, you're just trying to get things done. And anybody who has any hidden type of project management skills in them, they're going to be that person that just wants to get things done. Um, but what we need to do is make sure those two things are embodied in one, right? You can get things done and empower people at the same time.
0: That's so good. So what, yeah. do, what do you feel like are some common misconceptions that people have when it comes to leadership and having the capacity for leadership?
1: Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. I think we as human beings, let's just first and foremost agree that we're all broken people, right? Um, so I think sometimes people come into leadership positions Uh, or titles or things with any type of power with um, a hidden way to find value in themselves. And that kind of creeps in a little bit, right? I think when we try to embody, um, have this position to fill my void and give myself value, that's when it it becomes a dangerous territory. Okay. Okay.
0: Uh, When you're leading because you have an insecurity.
1: Yep. When you're leading because you have a hole, you have an insecurity that you haven't worked through as an individual. Um, and you'll see a lot of leaders that come into leadership positions of power because it gives them something. It gives them that feeling. It fills that temporary void, right? Um, when I hired folks and when I had people on my team, it, was, it changed when I developed myself. It, it, it strongly became individuals, I don't care about your skill set. I care about who you are as a person and how much work you've done on yourself as a person um and that's the biggest thing is do work do work on yourself find your value and the higher purpose um and then when you come into leadership positions it's going to be naturally easy for you to lead and empower other other people
0: oh man that's good do work come on do yes. work this that's is, right. this is good I, I i got just two more questions the first one is If you were to speak to a new leader, just joining the team, what would you give as maybe the first piece of advice that you'd offer to that new leader, just joining the team saying, Hey, this is how you're going to get started.
1: Yeah. The first piece of advice I would say is to stay grounded in what you believe in, right? I think stay grounded in your higher purpose. That's, that's the first thing. Stay grounded in your core, um, and really evaluate yourself in that core. That would be the first piece of advice. And along with that first piece of advice i would say develop community develop relationships uh that's huge because i think sometimes as humans we get things done but in order to get things done you have to have solid relationships no matter what you're in where you are uh people are not robots and i think in the business world we we forget that principle a lot is we have robotic systems in place to manage people Uh, And it doesn't really work that way. And so I think it's the same thing with leadership in a church setting is, it's just building relationships, really getting to know your folks. And then you can start that leadership process. But yeah, number one, your core, number two, build relationships.
0: So if you're building relationships, this is still this part of this question. I got one more to go, but as you're building these relationships, how do you avoid the pitfall of becoming transactional only with this relationship? You understand what I'm saying? Like making the relationship basically based on I need something from you. So I'm just gonna build this relationship, but really I'm trying to how do you how do you avoid because I, I mean when people do that it just feels so phony and so fake. So how yeah. do you how do you still focus on getting it done and building the relationships you need in order to get that done but not becoming transactional with that?
1: I love this question. And you know what's interesting is it applies in the church setting, but it really applied to a lot of the sales folks that I would talk to as well. Yeah. So number one thing here is your why. Why are you building relationships? Figuring out why you're building relationships. So if you're building relationships truly because I it's a checklist thing and I have to get it done, then we have to go back and work on our core. You may not be in that leadership position for the right reasons. Um, if you're building relationships because you genuinely need a community to support you and you genuinely want to build friendships and you genuinely believe in what this person's doing, that authentic approach will go, go a long way. That's a solid foundation, right? Um, one of my favorite, favorite leadership imagery things to throw out is uh, building your leadership foundation on solid ground versus sinking sand. And, and you know where that comes from, right? And so um, it's an image on my website. I love it, but this applies here as well is understanding your solid foundation. Um, so why are we building relationships? Asking yourself that question, like really asking yourself that question. And like you said, If it's because I was told to and it's transactional, then we need to revisit that. And I encourage you to sit with your leaders and pray about it and talk about it and and develop from it. But it's really understanding why.
0: That's so good. And when you say your core here at the Leadership Lab, we refer to it as the heart part of leadership. You know, it's that core. It's that it's that solid ground that we're standing on. And, you know, as a leader, you know. I like what John Maxwell says. He says, you want to add value to people. And I think that's where I start with my heart of relationship building is I genuinely just want to add value to people. And in that, they can sense that, man, this guy's in it really for my benefit, not for his. And when you get that kind of level of trust built with people, they'll say, okay, now, now tell me where are we going leader? Because I want to follow you. And that's, that's what we talked about earlier. That's what Jesus did. He invested in those individuals and they said, Hey, wherever you're going, Peter said it like this. He said, you have the words of life, Lord, like you got the deal going on. We'll go with you wherever you're taking us. Hey, this has been fun. I got one final question I want to kind of wrap up with, and then we're going to hear from you just about some ways that people can get connected to you if they want to get connected further. What is the best resource for people who want to dive deeper into leadership?
1: Best resource I would say is um, there are there's a lot of literature out there, so you can you can get lost in literature. You can really get into those kind of things. For me, it's 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 more about self growth movements and self growth uh, books and really understanding where I am in my stage of life. Right. Um, so the best resources I would say is you know trusted leaders, people who you really trust. And a lot of times for me that was within the church. I would go to trust leaders and I would we would have specific Bible studies or specific inductive studies on specific topics that I was really struggling with. So my core was always, always scripture. It was always scripture. My core was. And I think there's a lot of supplemental things that are out there, uh, which is amazing. And uh, there are faith-based leadership coaches. There are faith-based counselors. There are a lot of avenues that you can go into to help you. You just have to be, you just have to want to be helped. Right. And I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. So resources I would say is start start at home. It's right there you know I, I think uh, really looking within and then exploring and, not, and being open to different places and intro calls and obviously variety of research-based evidence that's out there. you know Harvard business is fantastic. Um, there's a lot of business resources out there which will be on my website so.
0: That's good. Well, yeah. speaking of your website, as we kind of wrap this up, if somebody wanted to uh, just follow you on social media, get to know you a little bit more, reach out to you, even maybe request some of the consulting that you have, how, how'd they get in touch with you?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, first and foremost, I love talking all things leadership. So if someone just wants to have an intro call and nerd out about leadership, I'm right here. You know, we can, we can set up a 30 minute call just to talk, you know? Um, but my website is www.jm- www.jmkleadership.com. My Instagram handle is at Jevin Colet, J-E-V-I-N-K-O-L-E-T-H. It has my phone number, my email, um, direct message, whatever it is. Feel free to reach out to me. You can be in any phase of leadership, self-growth. I know who I am as a professional, and I have resources to help in all realms.
0: That's great, man. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Thanks for being a part of the Leadership Lab. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you.